Jesus is mighty to save. Do you really believe that? Say amen. Amen. All right, now we're going to put that to the test this morning, that response. As we open another summer short, if you're a guest with us today, again, thank you for coming. A lot of our folks are out on vacation. We're delighted that you've taken some of your weekend time to come and be with us. We're in a series we're calling Summer Shorts, and basically the Summer Shorts means this, that we're doing messages that take one week only. Instead of having a series, you've got to come back for part two and part three and part four, knowing that people are in and out in the summertime. We're in Summer Shorts, one-week messages. We're going to keep in line with the week that we've been celebrating today. Uh, Wednesday, we had our Independence Day, and we celebrated, had a great time celebrating the national freedom that we enjoy today. And in keeping with that topic, today, in our summer short, I want to talk about emancipation. Emancipation. Again, we celebrated our national freedom this week, and there's many symbols of it that we enjoy It was a great celebration. Last week we talked about and we reminded ourselves that this nation was established as one nation under God. And if it's going to stay that way, the church, believers, people like you and me, combined with all other churches around this country who believe that the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus is the savior of the world, together we must become bold. And we need to reaffirm in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. And we need to be bold in claiming our national heritage. All that started with the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. Now, following the Revolutionary War, less than a hundred years later, another even bloodier war, another more costly war was fought on our own soil, and it was fought for freedom also, but not national freedom. It was fought for individual freedom. It was fought for a variety of reasons, but the chief reason was the debate over whether or not people could legally and morally own slaves. And of course, that war was fought to free thousands and thousands of men, women, boys, and girls who had found themselves in slavery. On January 1st, 1863, the newly elected President Abraham Lincoln offered forth his Emancipation Proclamation, declaring that slaves throughout the Americas were free. Of course, as we know, that resulted in the the Civil War. And it really wasn't until 1865, after the war, that Congress actually ratified and made it a law in the United States of America forbidding the practice of slavery or forced servitude. And they did that in the establishment of the 13th Amendment. So today, in our country, we celebrate a national freedom and we celebrate an individual freedom. Now, here at Florida Bible, every week, we get to celebrate an even greater freedom, and that is our eternal freedom that Jesus Christ paid for on the cross. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want you to read that with me, church. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Read it again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Bible says in Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Because the law of the spirit of life, what? Set me free from the law of sin and death. Now the tragic thing about emancipation is that very often a proclamation of emancipation, even a war for emancipation, does not really result in real emancipation. So it was for the majority of the slaves who have been made free in the Americas. Kidapeed, a website that focuses on African-American history, responded that really very few of the slaves who have been made free took advantage of their emancipation. It says some chose to leave the plantations now that they were free. Some moved to the north to work on the railroads or as house cleaners or nannies or cooks or to start their own businesses. Some went out west to be settlers or cowboys. A few went back to Africa. But tragically, it goes on to say, but most, the large percentage, stayed right where they were before. That was all they knew how to do. And many were too afraid to start over in a new place. A lot of former slaves kept on planting and picking cotton. But now they were sharecroppers instead of slaves. However, for a lot, it didn't make much difference. Only there were not as many beatings and your kids or your husband couldn't be sold out from underneath you anymore. Otherwise, they lived the same experience. They lived in the same deplorable conditions. They lived in abject poverty. They lived at the mercy of that plantation owner. And for many, as the time after the Civil War passed, many found themselves re-enslaved. As martial law ended, as the Northerners went back to the North and as the South began to regain their own democracy and elect their own officials, tragically, many unscrupulous judges and attorneys and lawmakers and law enforcers found a loophole in the 13th Amendment. That loophole said this, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude is any longer legal in the United States except as punishment for crimes whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Now, grabbing on to that clause in the 13th Amendment, many unscrupulous leaders began to arrest first hundreds and later thousands of former slaves on trumped-up charges. They went into court systems where there was no true representation, and judges imposed on them horrific fines that there was no way in the world they could afford to pay them, nor could their family members and friends chip in to pay those fines. And so subsequently, what happened to thousands of former freed slaves was that the law system, after they were convicted falsely in the courts, sold them to big businesses 
not as slaves, but now as convicts. And therefore, they had to work off that fine. The company got free labor, and the judges and the lawmakers got kickbacks. Tragically, this continued into the beginning of the 20th century. And it was only World War II and the need for manpower that finally broke this horrible, horrible tragedy of American history. Although emancipated, although proclaimed by a president and reinforced by a Congress by an amendment to the Constitution of the United States, many never realized, never got to live, never got to enjoy real freedom. Now, tragically, the same is true of our eternal emancipation. Galatians 5.1 again says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it goes on to say, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And yet many, many, Believers never realize the emancipation that Jesus won for them on the cross and declared from the cross, it is finished. It's done. Many continue to live with that yoke of slavery bearing down on them emotionally and spiritually and oftentimes even physically. Many never really own that emancipation. Many never really celebrate it. Many never live it in their lives. Cell door's been opened. But many sit in that cell their entire life. Now, you might be one of those men. You might be one of those women. You really don't sense, and your life is not characterized by emancipation. Why? That's what I want to address this morning. I want us to consider several reasons why that might be true in your life. The first is unclaimed opportunity. You might feel that way because of unclaimed opportunity. The Bible says in Romans 8, 9, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You may not sense emancipation, in fact, because you have not been emancipated. You said, now wait a minute, you just said that Jesus Christ declared it is finished. He died on the cross to set us free. Yes, he died on the cross and he said it is finished, giving every human being the opportunity for emancipation, but it's not automatic. 
It only comes when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. When we abandon any hope in our own goodness or in any denomination affiliation, and we say, Jesus, you are the only way. And it's only through your sacrifice that I can have forgiveness of my sin and I can have the promise of eternal life. Now, when that happens and when we humble ourselves and when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are indwelt by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. When that happens, the Spirit living in us is an affirmation and a testimony that we are the children of God. It's not uncommon, no matter how long that we've trusted Christ, for us to wrestle periodically with whether we truly are children of God. But when that happens the Holy Spirit begins to affirm and give us reassurance that, yes, you are. Yes, your sin debt has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, you have been set free. Now, that's not unique to any believer, one believer. 1 John 5, 10 says, And anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. But many have never taken advantage of the opportunity for emancipation. And that opportunity is available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And if you're here today and you've never allowed Jesus Christ to emancipate you, to pay your sin penalty, to set you free from the yoke of slavery to sin, then this passage is for you. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 says, the word is near you. It's right here, right now. Look what it says. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are declaring, the emancipation that Christ offers you. Well, how do I claim it? It goes on to tell you. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that there is no other way to emancipation. There is no other way to eternal life. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. If you confess that with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that everything the Bible says about Jesus and Jesus declared about himself is true, then it says you will be saved. You will be set free. You will be emancipated. It's the promise of God. And if you've never done that, wouldn't you do it right now? Even where you sit, as I continue to teach, you can trust Jesus Christ, and he will answer his promise, and he will emancipate your soul. And set you free from sin. Now many have done that. In fact, probably most of us here have done that. And yet so many still do not claim that emancipation. See, many trust that. But they don't really have security that it took hold in their life. I know I said the prayer. And I remember when I did it, I, I was sincere. I, I really meant the prayer, and, and I trusted Jesus Christ, and I asked him to forgive my, but I wonder, I wonder if it really did happen. Because I still have some horrible thoughts, and I, I, I still struggle, and I, I wonder 
Did I say it right? Was I sincere enough? And we kind of live our, our Christian experience with the yoke of slavery around us. Did it really happen? Am I really okay? Am I really going to be okay when this life ends? And the answer is yes. Because Galatians 5.1 said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And if we walk around carrying that burden of slavery, then we are not claiming our emancipation. I love this passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, and I've shared it with you many times. It says, praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, let me just stop there, to say that this whole emancipation experience is because of God's mercy. It's not because of how good we were before or how good we're after. It's because God is merciful. God is gracious. God is loving. And in spite of who we are, and in spite of who we may continue to be, God has given us mercy. It says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. He caused us to be born again. He caused us to be alive in Christ into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love this part. And into an inheritance, that's eternal life, that can never perish, spoil, or fade because it is kept in heaven for you. God stands guard over your soul and over that promise day and night. And Satan can't pluck you out of his hand. And no one else can pluck you out of his hand. And you can't even pluck yourself out of his hand because he keeps guard over it day and night until the coming of the salvation that is being ready to be revealed in the last time, until it all becomes reality when we're home with him in heaven. Maybe you're not living an emancipated life because you haven't claimed it. Believe it. God's word is true. And what he has promised, he will fulfill. Another reason that many live with a sense of either no emancipation or lost emancipation is because of unconfessed sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, not only does the Holy Spirit indwell us to affirm that we're the children of God, but he's also there to make course corrections. And it says that when we go against God, then we lose that sense of freedom. Classic example, and I've shared it with you before, and it's my favorite passage that deals with this whole thing in the Bible in Psalm 32 when David was struggling with his sin. Psalm 32, beginning in verse 3, it says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We know something about this, the heat of summer sapping our strength here in South Florida, don't we? Just stand outside today for about an hour, and you'll know what he's talking about. It just sucks the life right out of us, doesn't it? And that's how he felt, as long as his sin was unconfessed. But it goes on to say, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And look what it says. And you forgave the what? The guilt of my sin. In other words, you took off that yoke of slavery again. You allowed me to realize my emancipation. You allowed me to feel free again. 
1 John 1, 1.9 says the same thing is true for us today. That's just not an Old Testament experience. That's a New Testament experience. 1 John 1, 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're living under the yoke of slavery again because of an unconfessed sin. Then you need to do exactly what David did. And God will restore that sense. Yet another reason is unchanged lifestyle. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is, read it with me, life and peace. In other words, emancipation. It's freedom. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, as First Peter taught us, we are made new. We're given a new birth. We're born all over again. We're not who we used to be, and that's instantaneously. It just happens miraculously, instantaneously, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We then are called to live a different lifestyle. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we're made alive by the Spirit, since we're emancipated by the Spirit, since we've been set free by the Spirit, then the way to keep that sense is to keep in the Spirit. See, the problem is so many believers, and there is a large percentage of believers who are still living on the plantation. They've trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've claimed that opportunity. But then they've just gone on living life like nothing ever happened. And when we do that, we lose our sense of emancipation. Because we're living the same old life and we're drugged back into the same old things. And we begin to feel bad about ourselves. And then we, we begin to sense that maybe that salvation thing didn't work for me. See, we're called to live a whole new life. We're called to keep in step with the Spirit. That's why it's so important to assemble ourselves together. That's why it's important to listen to messages and, and read uh, the Bible and to, to go to Bible studies so that we're reminded that we're a new person. And we're called to a new lifestyle. The final reason is an unfulfilled purpose. Many of us lose that sense of emancipation because we're not living our purpose in life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship. Let me stop right there. To reaffirm in every one of us that we're not mistakes. That we're not losers. Whether we're tall, short, fat, skinny, doesn't matter. Whether we're rich, poor, whether people would consider us smart or maybe not the brightest star in the universe, we're who God made us to be. And we're not mistakes. It doesn't matter what other people try to pump into your head. Believe God's word. You're God's workmanship. Doesn't matter 
that when you look in the mirror every morning, who you think and what you think about yourself. Because the truth of the matter is God made you who you are. And he, as that verse goes on to say, created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, to have a purpose, to make our life count for the kingdom of God, to make our life count for making a difference in the lives of other people and attracting them to Christ. And God has equipped us to do it. That same verse says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has given us the natural talents. God has given us the spiritual empowerment to make a difference, to fulfill the purpose that we're alive. And that is to glorify God and bring others to the cause of Christ. And yet, many of us approach God as a single event in the week. Check the box. And we're not using our natural talents to further the kingdom of God. We're we're not volunteering our service to the church, to community outreach. We're just kind of living our life for ourselves, and, and we wonder why we don't feel emancipated. We don't feel emancipated because we're not living our purpose. Our purpose is bigger than ourselves. And it's promised to us. We've been equipped to succeed. Why don't I feel emancipated? Maybe it's because of an unclaimed opportunity. Maybe it's because of unconfessed sin. Maybe it's because of an unchanged lifestyle. Or maybe an un fulfilled purpose but the truth of the matter is if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior you have been emancipated you are free there is no condemnation in the eyes of God when he looks at you claim it celebrate it it's yours it's fact It's divine promise. Let's live it. Let's enjoy it. Let's celebrate.